0: everybody. This is Stephanie Ruper. Thank you for tuning in to the Meaning of Everything podcast where we consider seriously great ideas. Today's episode number 24x and I'm going to be talking about the type of self-esteem that can save the world. Now today's episode is a bit of a follow-up to what we talked about in our most recent episode with Sheldon Solomon, who studies the psychological impact of death on us as a species, and also the conversations we've been having all month, really, especially going back to Eric Kruglanski, who also gave a fantastic interview. Please do uh, go listen, episode 21, I believe, and he argues that Well, he studies close-mindedness and open-mindedness and extremism and the types of things that we can do to mitigate them, uh, which does involve discussions about self-esteem. So I'm gonna talk about how these two ideas intersect, Kruglansky's and Solomon's, and also explore the concept of self-esteem a little bit in a little bit more depth. So before that, jumping in, We know, everybody knows that this is an X episode, so I have a winner for a giveaway. The winner's name is this week, Cliff Mann. And so Cliff gets a free book off my bookshelf. I hope you're not too tired of hearing me talk about this. If you are, one solution would be to enter into the giveaway because why not get a free book out of listening to this podcast? All you have to do is take a screenshot of your review while you're writing it. By the way, if you use iTunes, writing a review is super simple. You just go to the ratings and reviews tab on any given podcast and then click write a review or leave a rating. You leave a rating. You don't even have to leave words. It's that simple. Take a screenshot, email it to tmoeverything at gmail.com and you will be permanently entered into a drawing to get a free book because isn't that cool? Okay, I will leave that. As that, and jump into today's episode about self-esteem and what it can do, the impact it can have on saving the world. Now, I just want to say, I find this idea so fascinating and so important. So fascinating and so important. About seven years ago, wow! That, wow, it was actually seven years ago. About seven years ago, I was... I encountered my first book about feminism, and I was really sick at the time. I had a number of different health conditions, polycystic ovarian syndrome, hypothalamic amenorrhea, hypothyroidism, anemia, osteopenia, anxiety disorders, really bad acne, like the list is long, and a number of health conditions. And it turns out that I had them all because I was very thin. I didn't know it at the time. Maybe I thought so subconsciously, but I didn't want to admit it. I was thin intentionally, radically under-eating. And I was I was doing everything I could to try to stay thin because I felt like I had to, right? For my self-esteem. I felt like I had to in order to be lovable and insert positive adjective here, right? So I realized when I encountered my first book on feminism seven years ago, that I was actually doing all of this because society is constructed in a way, especially the Western society today is constructed in such a way to make me actively doubt myself so that I will buy products to make up for this, right? People who think they're perfectly beautiful won't buy beauty products. That makes sense. And so I I got furious and then I began this career in women's health and self-love and it just ran off in its own direction and I followed it. And I spent years delving into all of these issues and working with women one-on-one and writing books about confidence. I wrote a book called Sexy by Nature, The Whole Food Solution to Radiant Health, Lifelong Sex Appeal, and Soaring Confidence. And I really stand behind it and I loved it and it felt important and empowering. And I loved helping people have a sense of self-worth that wasn't this fragile kind That was always being knocked down by society and predicated on the way that they looked and having to perform in this particular way, but which was rather grounded on their sense of actual self and who they were and their purpose in life and their personality and all this really, really important stuff. So, all of that felt great, but it also never really felt to me like it was on a level. All of my work in that sphere never really felt like it had the same existential. Significance as that which we have been discussing this month with Eric Kruplansky and Donald Crosby and Sheldon Solomon, working through these ideas of humanity's deepest needs and and how that plays out in the world. I never thought that it had this great existential significance, and now I'm working on this book on uncertainty and how people respond to uncertainty and the types of threats to our existence that uh, make us close our minds or be fundamentalist or feel really anxious, all this sort of stuff. And I'm realizing that self-esteem may actually be the key to solving our problems. One of the keys we have many problems, but it might be a major, major piece of the puzzle. Okay. So why, why is self-esteem something that the world so desperately needs other than that? The fact that it feels good, right? Why is self-esteem so important? So, as it turns out, we are coming at this from two different angles. In our last episode, we talked with Sheldon Solomon and he said, look, the data is really clear and it is whenever people are reminded of their death, they will enact behaviors that reinforce their cultural norms that reinforce whatever it is that they're doing in their life to make themselves feel immortal, which nowadays is probably mostly taking selfies. Right. But, Death is something that deeply affects us on a psychological level. And we enact a lot of behaviors to attempt to forget about it, you know? And this is something that Solomon has demonstrated can make people close-minded and can make us enact harsher punishments on people we think have done wrong precisely because we are in the act of attempting to forget about death, really embracing the cultural norms that we have that anchor us which is why that we, we would punish people more harshly or we reward people more generously, right? If we think they've done something good, it's because we're participating in these social norms that remediate the looming threat and anxiety and terror of death. So that's one way to look at it. And also, importantly, right, this is self-esteem is a part of this discussion. I need to... Make sure this is included here. Self-esteem is a part of this discussion because it is what we do. It's another thing that we can use to buffer us against death. And as we discussed in, in the last podcast, our egos, especially today, right? Are things that we can use to buffer us against the thought of death to make us have this sense of immortality, right? If we keep building up ourselves, then we don't need to see what might be beyond it if we build up our being then we don't need to look at our non-being okay another way to look at it which is very similar but slightly different is from the perspective of eric kuglansky who works on extremism and closed-mindedness and he has spent his entire life studying the ways in which we make decisions he has discovered that more often than not humans are deeply uncomfortable with uncertainty, and there are many kinds of conditions that can make this discomfort worse or that can make it better, but generally speaking, and particularly in today 's world, the conditions are ripe to make us deeply uncomfortable with uncertainty and therefore retreat to close mindedness retreat to answers that are readily available because we're so uncomfortable with the uncertainty that we are experiencing that we cling on to the nearest sources of certainty that we can find. And this means extremism. And this means believing things uh, based on emotional argument instead of staying open-minded and reasonable, right? And it means following the crowd. And it means being persuaded by extremism of all sorts, right? Of religious sorts, but also purely cultural sorts or coming into extreme fads or diets or just really getting wrapped up in these discourses that are emotionally charged. Now, he wouldn't say that death was the primary factor here, but we're arriving at a situation in which, again, people are becoming wrapped up in these sort of closed-minded circles and dogmatism and emotional argumentation in an attempt to remediate the uncertainty that they're feeling, the threat of uncertainty. Now Kruglansky has said that people experience an intertwined, two separate but intertwined needs, which are the need for cognitive closure or to escape uncertainty and the need for significance. And significance is a buffer against this uncertainty. Now I see Kruglansky and Solomon's proposals as very much being held in the same space. And I don't think that they're contradictory at all, because I see uncertainty and I see death as threats. They're threats to our stability, they're threats to our sense of grounding in the world, our sense of connectedness to humans, our sense of permanence, right? And so we are at a loss whenever we experience these kinds of threats, whenever we experience heightened uncertainty and death. They are both threats to our stability, into to our day-to-day life, and to our sanity, what I have often called our existential sanity. And so what can we do about this? Now Kruglanski and Solomon both have done extensive work analyzing a role that self-esteem, or what Kruglansky calls significance often, can do for us. As it turns out, a genuine, healthy sense of self-esteem can be really protective against the threats of uncertainty and death. It can remediate the anxiety we feel around death. It can remediate the anxiety we feel around uncertainty and can help us from making the kinds of decisions, leaping to conclusions, following emotional argumentation, being swept up with the crowd. It can help prevent us from doing these things because it is providing this emotional stability, this cognitive buffer against it. But now I want to circle back to what I was talking about in terms of my work in women's health and self-love and confidence throughout the years, because I have learned that there are different kinds of self-esteem, right? There is a self-esteem that is, as I mentioned in the podcast we did with Sheldon, there is a kind of self-esteem that is essentially weak. It's constructed. It's all smoke and mirrors. It's playing society's game and doing the things that are free market right things that people's advertising tells us that we should do but when we do that we participate in this cycle of trying to build ourselves up while simultaneously tearing ourselves down looking for weaknesses so we can continue to exploit them in ourselves and in others criticizing others criticizing ourselves constantly nitpicking right we're stuck in these cycles and for women, this all this often comes out in terms of beauty, but it can also come out in any kind of performativity. When you're putting on a show for other people, right? When you're trying to be something that you're told you should be or you think you should be. These things are ultimately specious. I mean, they're, they're full of holes and they're very weak and liable to fall apart. The real kind of self-esteem, the self-esteem that can actually transform Our lives and our communities for the better, as I am fond of saying, is the kind of self-esteem that is grounded in your acceptance of who you are and your feeling of significance in the broader whole. What are your values? What do you care about? How do you live your life? How do you enact your relationships, right? How do you carry your work or you're volunteering, or your extracurricular activities, or whatever it is that you're doing, anything that you do in your life, how are you conducting it? Are you conducting it in a way that is productive in society, and you're participating, you're getting good feedback from people, you're building relationships, you're contributing to the good, right? Now that, that is a solid, really solid sense of self-esteem, and that's the kind of human who doesn't have to post selfies all the time, who doesn't have to constantly be talking about how good their lives are on social media because they genuinely are good. And I'm not saying that everybody who posts selfies is in a crisis of self-esteem. I post selfies all the time, although I hate it. (laughs) And I basically just do it for my career, but because you have to nowadays. Uh, But I think that there's something very genuine about self-esteem that is powerfully transformative and that helps us be better people, and might actually help us save the world. Now imagine what we can do if we can help people who don't have a sense of self-esteem actually feel it. You know, a part of me, I've always wondered if we talk about feminism and we talk about male defensiveness against feminism in terms of not wanting to let go of power, but what if we thought about it in terms of not wanting to let go of significance, about being afraid of, of a loss of significance? If we can make these men who feel threatened, feel significant, then maybe feminism wouldn't be such a threat, right? And maybe people, when we've seen this happen time and time again, people who are being de-radicalized out of terrorist groups, when you give them a sense of significance, the, terror, the terrorism is, it loses its appeal. Because what people want is to actually be enfolded in a society in which they participate and positively contribute and feel like they matter, right? We are a species that is desperate to feel like we matter, and especially in today's world when we're so uncertain about whether we matter, and we have these machines that are constantly telling us we don't. And so I would encourage all of us, all of you, dear friends, to think about your self-esteem. What is it predicated on? And to think about the self-esteem of people around you, and can you help them? And to think with compassion about people who don't have self-esteem and therefore are enacting behaviors that you might find appalling or bad or even evil because they can be helped. We can all be helped, but we just need to do so and walk forward with compassion and understanding and the willingness to work on our own self-esteem and help others with theirs. So I'm going to leave that speech right there. That was quite a speech, huh? This has been episode number 24X. I talked about the kind of self-esteem that can change the world. I would love to hear your thoughts about it. Please do drop me a note on Instagram at Stephanie Ruper or Facebook at Stephanie Ruper. I would so much love to open up this conversation and um, share it with you. Like and share and all the stuff and do as ever be in touch. Thank you so much. I will be back next week.